Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today I want to talk about sleep. Sure, everyone is like, you need more sleep, but does that really help? And how can you go about improving the quality of your sleep in order to improve your mental health? Is there even a connection between mental health and sleep? In short, yes, but there's more to it than that. I believe my first realization that there was a connection between mental health and sleep was with my mom. When she was having a psychotic episode, she would stop sleeping. I distinctly remember this night, not long after she'd gotten us thrown out of where we were living. I was probably 16 or so at the time. And it was just a terror living with her, because she was having a breakdown and would be up all night, and I would still have to get up and get myself to school every morning. And there was this, I don't even know what to call it, decoration? Wall memorabilia? Who knows? But it was a fish. A fake fish, mind you. Stuck to a plaque like you would see if a fisherman had mounted his catch. And when it detected movement, it would lift its head and sing, Don't worry, be happy. I'm not going to sing this for you. Neither of us would enjoy that. But I'm sure you've heard this reggae-esque tune at some point in your life. And I looked it up, and it's by Bobby McFerrin. And it is, in fact, called Don't Worry, Be Happy. And no offense to Mr. Bobby, but for the longest time, I just could not hear this song without having horrible flashbacks to the night my mom was stomping on the floor of our trailer, making the whole trailer shake because she was trying to make this fish pop up and sing. Another night, she woke me up at 2 a.m. when she threw a cat on me. It was a cat that she had found outside, and she was like, wake up, we have to take it to the vet. Something's wrong with it. And it's true that its ears were eaten by flies, but I don't know if you've ever seen this, but some animals that are left outside, especially in warmer climates, they get their ears chewed on by flies. And so that's what was going on. And I was trying to explain to her that no veterinarian was open in the middle of the night. And while it was sad that its ears were nibbled on, there was nothing really that we could do about it. It wasn't like she had the money to take this cat to the veterinarian anyway. She could barely pay her own rent. In fact, I was giving her money from my Burger King checks each week, so I knew for a fact that this was not possible. Move forward to me trying to work and go to school, but also sort of have a life, and I didn't prioritize sleep as an adult either. By the time I got old enough to care about sleep, cell phones were on the scene, and then there was a problem of trying to sleep when the internet and all of its devilish delights was at my fingertips all of the time. And I could lay in bed with the internet, be snuggled up under my blankets, and look up the answer to every little question that popped up into my head. I've been a pretty bad sleeper most of my life now that I think about it. Going to bed at all hours and just doing things in general that interrupted my sleep was not helping me. For example, I would eat a lot of sugar at night, which made me pretty restless. Or even if I just had a big meal after work, because it was sometimes pretty late at night before I could finally eat. Then I would be tossing all night from having crazy dreams and waking up over and over again. And if I didn't have time to exercise, 
I would be contending with the general lethargy that led me to nap during the day and then be too awake at night. And this lack of energy created other issues in my self-care routine. If I'm exhausted all day, I don't want to meditate. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to cook. I want to get fast food and maybe actually donuts because when I'm sleepy, I crave sugar and the calories I need in order to keep myself awake and beat back the fatigue. So when I'm being serious about taking care of myself, I have to prioritize sleep. Otherwise, I just don't have the energy to meet all of my goals. But it could still be a real challenge to find a routine that worked for me. I don't remember when this was, but I used to have a subscription to the Masterclass platform. If you're in the U.S., you've probably seen the ads for Masterclass. They get professionals like James Patterson or Jane Goodall to come and talk about their specialties in this Masterclass. And then they essentially break down what it is that they do really well. There was a Masterclass with Dr. Matthew Walker who is a sleep specialist and founder-director of the Center for Human Sleep Science at the University of California, Berkeley. And full disclosure, I don't remember a lot about the class, except for his emphasis on having a set bedtime every night and a set wake time. I also remember some of what he said about why half of us are night owls and the other half are early risers. And he talked a lot about what sleep does for the body how it heals us, how it keeps everything functioning, and all the terrible things that can happen if we don't get enough sleep. But my interest was primarily focused on how to get enough sleep and how to prioritize my sleep so that I have enough energy to tackle the aspects of my self-care and my self-relationship building that I wanted to tackle. So here's what Dr. Walker says. Tip number one, have a routine. He says going to bed at different times and waking up at different times throws off our circadian rhythms leaving us mentally and physically fatigued all the time. And if we have a certain time that we go to bed every night, say 11 p.m., for example, and a set wake-up time every day like 7 a.m., it will help us establish a good rhythm and stabilize our energy levels. And apparently, this wake-up and go-to-bed time should be the same no matter what. Weekday, weekend, traveling, or at home, whatever is happening, we're supposed to stick to our bedtimes and wake-up times. He also doesn't think that catching up on sleep on the weekends is particularly effective. But I don't know about you, I really enjoy laying in bed pretty late, and my dog Charlie doesn't mind it either. Tip number two, Dr. Walker also doesn't recommend drinking caffeine or working out late in the day, as these are two things that rev you up rather than wind you down, and your goal is to relax in the hours leading up to bedtime. He also made a special note about alcohol. Some people like to have a drink before bed to help them wind down, but he claims that it actually interrupts your sleep rather than helps you. Because apparently we can't achieve REM sleep when we drink before bed, especially if we drink too much. And if you aren't familiar with these terms, REM sleep is the deeper sleep responsible for making us feel rested in the morning. So if you're someone who likes to have a drink before bed, you might want to check how much you're having and whether or not it's actually doing more harm than good when it comes to your sleep. Other things you can do to help you go to sleep is to keep your bedroom cool and dark. You could also take a shower or a hot bath before bed because both are great for relaxing. You might think that the heat would warm you up rather than cool you down and be disruptive to the idea of sleeping in the cold climate, but it turns out that hot water actually drops your body temperature. And so therefore taking a shower or a hot bath before bed helps you get ready for sleep. Tip number three was to have a wind down routine. An hour or 30 minutes before you go to bed, you can start a wind-down routine that will trigger your mind and remind you that it's time to go to sleep. So for example, for me, I like to do 20 to 30 minutes of yoga, then brush my teeth, and then do my skincare, maybe take a shower, 
And then I'm in bed. That's my wind down routine. And it starts about an hour, an hour and a half before I want to go to sleep. I also try to limit my exposure to blue light before bed. Blue light, which you've probably heard of since it's been such a hot topic in the past year or so, is the light emitted by electronics. That could be our phones, our tablets, our computers, our e-readers. So I wear blue light glasses that I got from Amazon for like 10 bucks from the time the sun goes down until I go to bed, assuming that I remember to put them on. Sometimes I do forget, but I also wear them during the day sometimes because I do a lot of computer work, and I find that it cuts down on eye fatigue if I wear them while working on my computer. I also try not to take my phone to bed most nights, because I just don't go to sleep as quickly if I can get on the internet and look stuff up or read webtoons. The only problem I run into here is that sometimes I like to listen to ASMR if I'm having trouble falling asleep, and I need my phone and earbuds to do that. So if it's a night when I feel like I won't be able to fall asleep unless I ASMR myself, then I do take my phone to bed with me. But I just try to be extra diligent and mindful of the time I spend on my phone. And I do feel like a bit of a hypocrite when I talk about this stuff, because for me, there's still a lot of stuff I could do in the sleep department. For example, I shouldn't be sleeping with my dog, Charlie. He gets up a lot in the night, and every time he wakes up, I wake up, so he's kind of disruptive. It's not as bad as it was with the two pugs I had before Charlie. Josephine was epileptic, and she would have random seizures in the night, and I got so used to getting up and tending to her, so I could, like, drop to the floor and get her into position before I was even fully awake. And then before Josephine, there was Napoleon, who snored horribly, like the loudest snores I've ever heard in my life. So comparatively, I have seen some improvement in the sleeping with the dog department, but I've already told Kim that for the next dog, there will be no sleeping in the bed. Of course, I say that now, but we'll see what happens in the future. I'm also not great about going to bed and getting up at the same time. This is what happens when you work for yourself, and you've got no clock in time for a job, and also no one to tell you to stop working and go home. So this is definitely an area where I could personally apply a bit more balance. But I do believe that all of these practices that Dr. Walker suggested can be really helpful for people, to the degree that we're willing and able to use them. I also can fully recognize that if we want to take good care of ourselves, we have to get enough sleep so that we have the energy to do so. Of course, it's really hard to write a sleep prescription for everyone. Some people have kids, some people are dealing with illness or pain that keeps them up at night, and my wife Kim and a few of my friends struggle with insomnia, Still more people work third shift or have erratic lifestyles, so I know that getting good sleep can feel impossible. Because of all this variability, I don't want to put any expectations on anyone. I just want to encourage you to do what you can for yourself, when you can. And as always, be gentle, be patient, and be loving. And last, before I wrap up this episode on sleep, I just want to say that sleep and rest are not the same thing. And rest is also really important. And I'll talk more about that in a future episode when I talk about having work-life balance, which is really a good place to talk about how rest impacts our productivity. So that's it for sleep and the essential tools. Congratulations, we've completed our tour of the Essentials Tools Toolbox. Good work. Next week, I want to talk about blockages and what are some things that might be holding you back from starting your self-care adventure. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. 
Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.